All right. Welcome to Water's Edge Church. For those of you who are maybe new or visiting, I'll introduce myself. My name is Ryan Stansky. That's my wife, Corey. Right over there. She's awesome. And my daughter, June, is down in the toddler room having fun, I'm sure. So that's our family. Um, let's pray to get started. We'll pray to get started. God, I just thank you for this morning, Lord. I thank you already, Holy Spirit, for what you've just done in this place, Lord. I just thank you for family, Father. I thank you for um, uh, just the tight-knit community, Lord, that this church is and has been, Father. And I just um, thank you for the impact, Lord, that uh, it's having on the city, Father God, and I just, um, Lord, I'm just so thankful to be a part of this congregation, Lord, and to uh, to walk with uh, these people, Lord, so just thank you for that, Father. We ask, Holy Spirit, that even now, Lord, that you would just crash in on this place, Lord, that you would have your will, Lord, that you would have your way, God, in water's edge, Lord, as it is in heaven, Father, Lord, we just we just come hungry, God, for more of you for more of your bread today, Lord. I just ask, this is always a little nerve-wracking, Lord, but I have to be surprised by you, God. Whatever that looks like, Father, I ask for surprises from you. Just like Charlie was talking about, Lord, that we haven't, we have yet to begin to scratch the surface of your goodness, Father, and we just ask that you'd surprise us, Father. Whether it's a word, Lord God, um, an insight, Father, I don't know, you always catch me off guard, so Lord, we just ask for your surprises today, Father. For us, each of us here, Lord. And anoint my words, Father, as they go forth, Lord God. I pray that they would um, draw people into closer relationship with you, Lord. Draw them further into the throne room, Father. That we would begin to see the picture, Lord God, of what, of what you created us to be in an even greater light, Lord God. We ask for that this morning, Lord. That your spirit of revelation would be here, God. Just revealing scriptures, Lord, that were written so long ago, Lord, that are so applicable for today, Father. Amen. Amen. All right, we're going to look at Romans chapter 8. Always a good one. Romans chapter 8. For those of you who have your Bibles or your phones out, Romans chapter 8. We're going to start in verse 18. I hear a few pages turning. I miss those days. The good old days. All right, Romans 8. We're going to look at verse 18, and we're going to read through verse, probably through verse 21. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time, this is Paul writing, by the way, the Apostle Paul. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to, to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the anxious longing of the creation waits eagerly for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself also will be set free from its slavery to corruption into the freedom of the glory of the children of God. Amen, huh? 
We're going to look specifically at verse 19. I'm going to read it one more time. For the anxious longing of the creation waits eagerly for the revealing of the sons of God. So we're reading, we're reading words that were written over 2,000 years ago. Isn't that crazy? I think sometimes we like lose sight of that, you know, that uh, 2,000 years ago, Paul was getting revelation from the Spirit, and he was writing it on whatever they wrote on back then, which would be, what was it? Parchment? Yeah. So he was writing it on a piece of parchment, and it's so funny to me like how fragile it was at that point, that it was just one guy who'd received revelation in one letter that was being sent across the world to encourage a church. And here we are, 2,000 years later, reading it. Man. And it's exciting because he was getting a glimpse of a time yet to come. And I love this verse because it says, it uses a lot of adjectives. For the anxious longing of the creation waits eagerly. Anxious longing waits eagerly for the revealing of the sons of God. The Greek word for creation, I didn't write the word down, but another definition of it is the original formation. So it would read like this. For the anxious longing of the original formation waits eagerly. In other words, God put the earth together. But he, it wasn't just the earth. He, like, he formed the whole universe and the original formation, and he put all the systems in place, right? Like the, the cycle of life and all these things. He put into place in the original formation when like, man was made in the garden. And that's what he's talking about. He's saying, back then when I made, when everything was made, like that, it's, it's like the entirety of the universe, all of these things that were created, all of that is anxiously longing and waiting eagerly. So all of creation is on the edge of its seat. It's waiting. And we find out in the later verses why it's waiting is because it's been subjected to, let me see where it's at. It's been subjected to futility, in other words, or not willingly, but, but because of him who subjected it. In other words, you guys all know the story. In the garden, Adam ate the apple, Eve ate the apple. They chose, they chose that path. And so as a result, God the Father had to put creation under futility. So he had to put this original design that he was really excited about, God the Father was really excited about, that was going to be just ideal and perfect. And he had to subject it under futility, under um, sin in, in a lot of ways. Sin, under decay, all of these things, he had to subject it to that. But I love this verse where he says, where does it say? He subjected it in hope. He subjected it in hope. So it's almost like it's, I, I was trying to think of a good movie example, and I'm sure there is one. If you get it, yell it out. If it's a bad example, I'll shoot it down. It's okay. Um, but I was trying to think of like, you know, where someone's going to be locked up for maybe 10 or 15 years, but they hand them a picture, 
And they say, but there's, there's hope. One day, one day, deliverance is coming. And I think if it were what God is saying is, hey, the original formation, everything that I created has been subjected under this, but there's hope. And it's like he handed creation a picture and he says, one day, the sons of God, the daughters of God will arise. Come on. And so for, for longer than 2,000 years, creation has been waiting. Creation has been waiting. And then at this point, this is 2,000 years ago, Paul's trying to describe it as best he could, and he says, anxious longing, waiting eagerly. I mean, you just get the idea that it's like they're on the edge of their seats. They're like, oh my gosh, I don't know how much more I can take before this happens. And it's like, it's as if creation is alive with hope. I love that. They're alive with hope. So that's kind of the setting. So let's look at the defining term of this. And I don't believe this has come to pass yet. For one, creation hasn't been restored. So I don't think this has come to pass yet. I think this is something that's still to come. Let's look at the defining term. It's the, what creation is waiting for is the sons of God. Come on. The word son in the Greek can be translated two different ways. It can be translated either as huios, don't judge my Greek pronunciation, or it can be translated as technon. Technon is um, often used for like toddler, infant, or child. So when you hear son sometimes in the Greek, it will be that word technon, which is used often. Uh, for example, John chapter 1 when he says, He's given you the right to be children of God. That's the Greek word technon. He's saying, you've been given the right to be children of God. And we're all like, yes. Or we've been given the right to be sons of God. Um, What does he use there? Children or sons? To be sons of God, yeah. But it's the word technon, which refers to like an infant or like a child in the family. So that's awesome. That's huge revelation. That's really good. This word we host is a little bit different. It speaks to a, a mature son or daughter. So whenever the Bible uses the word we host, like I said, it speaks to a mature son or daughter. When God the Father spoke over Jesus and he said, you are my son in whom I am well pleased, he used the word we host. You are my like, mature son. You have, uh, you've come to know me. So that's the word that is actually being used here. So creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the mature sons of God. Interesting side note, as long as we're looking into the Greek, um, you guys have heard of, you guys know the word adoption comes up in the Bible a lot. Ephesians 1, uh, Paul uses the word, we've been adopted into the family of God. Um, Back then, adoption was not called adoption. Or, let me rephrase that. Um, the word they use in the Greek for adoption is com- 
has no relevance to how we use it in the Western culture. So the word in the Greek is huiothesia, which takes that root word of huios and adds another word to it, which is placement, which means in the Greek, mature son placement. Okay? So back in Jewish culture during that time, what would happen was if you were adopted, it was actually the placement of a mature son. So what that looked like, it was actually a ceremony in Jewish culture where when the son had come to the place where the father believed he was ready to carry his name and like, do business on behalf of the father, like, own all the, like, ready to receive his inheritance, what would happen was the father would take this son or daughter and they would place their hand on their head and they would go around the town and they'd say, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. And they'd like shout it, you know. This is my son in whom I am well pleased. So that was adoption back then. So it didn't have, it like didn't have, it could actually be like a slave brought in. Like if a father didn't have any sons to pass the family business on to, he would actually do this for like a slave. But even, I found this really interesting, even Children like in the family that have been in the family that whole time, they would go through the same process of adoption. So it puts kind of a different spin on it. Um, that's just like a side note. I just really like jacks me up. But So now when you look at adoption in the scripture, you'll be like, wow, that's really different. Adopted as sons of God. Um, Okay, so we've covered sons, which is weos, which is mature sons. Let's look at the second half of it, sons of God. I've, uh, I've personally stopped using the term, not stopped using the term, but use it far less, the term born again. I mean, I like it, and I think it holds its, uh, it was important for the church, but I love John never, the, the disciple John never uses the term born again. He always uses the term born of God. That's good, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I had this revelation that I was talking to Phil about where if your father and mother don't get together, you're not born. It's deep. I'll give it a minute for you guys to get it. Right? Just the facts. If your father doesn't have any part in your, doesn't give of himself, you will not be born. If he doesn't take something that's inside of him, you guys get the picture. (laughs) But what's so funny is we struggle with this in Christianity. Like the Bible says we're literally born of God. When we receive our second birth, we are born of God. God takes of himself and puts it into us. Wow. It's like the exact same word for like when a natural father and mother give birth to a normal child. It's the exact same word as when God the Father births us in the Spirit. Just saying. Born of God. 
So that's like, that's the picture, the Son of God, the mature one of God. To give you a picture of what I think this might look like, this revealing, I didn't really talk about that, the revealing of the sons of God, the word revealing can also be, um, like another picture of it is to be like unveiled, the unveiling of the sons of God. To give you a picture of this, let's look at Matthew 14, 22. says, immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side while he sent the crowds away. After he had sent the crowds away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. And when it was evening, he was there alone. But the boat was already a long distance from the land, battered by the waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified. Makes sense. Um, and said, it is a ghost, and they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, take courage, it is I, do not be afraid. Peter said to him, Lord, if it's you, command me to come out to you on the water. And he said, come. Peter got out of the boat, walked on the water, came towards Jesus. Seeing the wind, he became frightened and began to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately Jesus stretched out his hand, took hold of him, and said to him, you have little faith, why did you doubt? When they got into the boat, the wind stopped. And those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, You are certainly God's son. It's really hard to, when we've grown up hearing all these stories, it's really hard to like get a fresh perspective on this. Isn't it? But you guys getting that fact that like all of us in here believe that a man, a Jewish man, walked on water? Because if you raise your hand, you're nuts. I mean, you've lost it. Because solid matter sinks in water. Yeah. Um, I think that is like an awesome picture of a revealing of a son or daughter of God. I love the disciples' response. Up till then, I think some of them had been using, they had revelation of like, they, the Old Testament said, a son of God will come. And so they're like, you are the son of God. I love that Peter's response is, like after seeing Jesus walk on the water, it's like, you're God's son. Like it changed a little bit for him. It wasn't just a religious title anymore. This guy was walking on water. Like a son of God was revealed in that moment and the disciples saw it and they were like, whoa. Mom. Firstborn among many brethren. The Bible says Jesus was the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. By the, way, by the way, that word we host can be applied male and female. So I don't know if I said that or not. There you go. You guys know it. Hmm. I think there will be a marking of the supernatural when this happens, when there's the revealing of the sons of God. Right? Just has to be. When people are like, oh, 
You're a son of God. In order for that to take place, you have to be doing things that God would do, like walking on water. Have you guys ever noticed our society's complete obsession with superhero movies? Right? We don't have any other society to compare it to. We don't have another world to compare it to. So for us, it's normal. We're like, oh, of course, if you make another Superman movie, it's going to do good in box office. But did you ever stop to think why? Like, why is it not just kids? Why are, like, grown adults fighting over tickets and wearing capes to movie theaters? (laughs) Right? Seriously. I went to the third Lord of the Rings. I was like, I felt awkward because I was not dressed up. (laughs) Seriously. Right? But, but for us, it's normal because it's, become a, it's just a part of our society. We're like, yeah, superheroes. But like, if, if there's like an alternate universe, like where that, they would, what if they were like, why, like, what are you even talking about, superhero? You're, I mean, right? Like, why does a man that can fly, why would any of us go watch that movie? Because it makes zero sense. Unless it's something that's been written in our hearts, right? Something that's been written deep down inside that says, I think I was created for something more. I think maybe I was created to be like my father. When I was preparing this message, I got this revelation that God is supernatural. (laughs) So funny. You know, but God spoke and the universe came into existence. Like it, he defies the rules. And he is the one who, when I came to him, took my old sin nature and he took of his supernatural DNA and he put it into me. And now I walk the earth. like as a host of his presence. We walk the earth as a host of his presence. Come on. Many of us have had dreams of flying. How many of you guys had dreams of flying? Come on. Come on. Let me know if it happens. I've tried it. I'm waiting for the day. Jesus, you know, Jesus chose to walk on water. That was the law that Jesus decided to throw out the window. Just saying. It's awesome. Um, So, but it's not all about walking on water. Ever notice what superheroes have to sacrifice? Part of moving, part of this process of moving from a technon, which is just the child of God where we're like, woohoo! To the position of we host where now God's like, you know what? I'm going to trust you with these things, and I know that you, you can carry it. Part of that looks like in the garden where Jesus prays, not my will, but yours be done. Right? He's like, God, man, I just love it. Because he's like, Father, I really don't want to go to the cross and die. <laughs> 
but not my will, but yours be done. What has he come to? He's come to this place where he's walking as a mature son or daughter, where it's no longer about him. And that's a process that I'm, I'm kind of, I'm pretty convinced he leaves up to us because there's no condemnation in Christ Jesus. So there's no condemnation if, if we want to live our lives as technon, where we're like, I just love freedom, God. I love being in this place of freedom. God isn't like, whoa, come on, get moving to maturity. I don't think he's like that. I think he invites us to it and will put out invitations to it, but he doesn't force it upon us. But what an exciting invitation. So, but it looks like becoming, like walking this path of maturity also looks like washing Peter's feet, right? That couldn't have been pretty. But that's, that's part of it. Oh, do we have time? We got time to look at it real quick. Oh. John 13. Somewhere. Verse 3, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, right? He's in that, he's walking in that WeHost thing. He's received revelation that God the Father has said, everything that I have is now yours, son. Jesus, fully aware of that. Wow. And that he had come forth from God and was going back to God. So his revelation of what's happened and what's going to happen got up from supper, laid aside his garments, taking a towel, he, he prepared himself to wash their feet. Oh, power in submission. Whew. Meekness. Man, that's just a cool, that's, that's amazing. Jesus said this best, like what this looked like of this uh, journey to maturity when he put it out there, right before his death, he said, if you want to come after me, and he was actually addressing the whole crowd. He wasn't just addressing the disciples. He said, if you want to come after me, and I love this because in the definition, he says, follow me. So I used to think follow me and come after me were the same thing, but I don't think so anymore. I think Jesus was saying, if you want to pick up where I left off, I've run my race, I'm getting ready to leave, if you want to be the one that comes after me, he said, this is what you have to do. Pick up your cross, deny yourself, and follow me. So Jesus was laying it out there. He was laying out this journey of, of uh, becoming a wee host of God. He's saying, if you want to do this, you have to deny yourself. Right? Oh, I'm bummed Dan Pemble's not here. I'm going to use Batman. But like Batman, right? He had to give up something to do that. And Jesus got this understanding that if we're going to walk in this, if we're going to walk in this place, it's, it's, we're going to have to give up comforts and things that we desire and things that would just be easy. Take up your cross Take up your unique calling in me and follow me, Jesus says. 
He's like, if you want to, and there's the proof, I guess. He says, if, if you want to come after me. Jesus didn't say, you have to come after me and here's what you have to do. He said, if you want this, which will probably in our day and age get you ridiculed for sure, spoken negatively about, in the days to come, I think it's just going to increase the persecution. He's like, if you want this though, if you want to come after me, here's what it's going to look like. Here's what you have to give. But we only have one life. Oh. Last movie reference, and then I'm done with movie references. There's this scene. How many of you guys seen Avatar? You guys seen it? I know. Do you guys know that it's the single most grossing, I don't know, it leads the, it leads the box office for the most gross income of any movie. So if you haven't seen it, you should just check it out so that you can get a gauge of what's on people's hearts what people long for. Because something in there, right, is connecting with everybody on earth. Just saying. They had to have support groups after the movie for people because they were depressed because they didn't live in that world. And I actually think it's almost a call out to the church to say, we have the real thing. Wow. I mean, it should be the most encouraging. Oh, people long for the kingdom. They don't know that that's what it is, but people long for it. Anyway, in this movie, there's, there's this one scene where she's talking to Jake, and she's telling him there's this ancient prophecy of a Tarek Makto, which is the rider of the last shadow. And she's telling him, hey, way back in the day, they, these guys existed. They were the riders of these huge dragon things that normally kill, kill everything, but they actually rode them. And she's telling him this ancient prophecy, and, and Jake's listening to her, and eventually uh, crap hits the fan in the movie, and, you know, things, there's like, you know, this huge battle is raging, and he's, he's feeling so unqualified to be a part of things because he really, like, he denied, the, like, he gave the enemy secret information, all this stuff. But there's this scene where he's, he's flying over top of this dragon, and he, he, gets this, he gets this revelation that, you know what? Maybe I'm that guy. And he comes to this place where he's like, I've only got one life. What am I going to throw myself into? And he said, sometimes all of your, all of your life comes down to one stupid decision. But he jumps, off, he jumps off his animal and lands on the back, and then the screen goes dark. So you don't know, like, if this giant dragon thing, like, reaches back and eats him. You don't know what happens. But next thing you know, he's flying in. He's flying into, like, the people group. And, like, all of a sudden, they were, like, so discouraged, and all of a sudden, they're filled with hope. And, like, he's no longer called Jake, but they start calling him Tarek Makto. The Tarek Makto has come, the rider of the last shadow. 
And they're filled with hope because because they know the prophecy that that one day he was going to come and that he was going to deliver the people. So here we are. And we've got this we've got this passage that was written over 2000 years ago and it says for the anxious longing of the creation waits eagerly for the revealing of the sons and daughters of God. Come on. And we've got a choice. We can be like, hey, you know what? Someday they're going to come and they're going to change our world and it's going to be awesome and I can't wait. And we can pray for them to come. Or, like as we've gotten pictures of like what this might look like, we grab hold of it. We grab hold of it. Say, Father, I want that to be about my life. Jesus, has our world ever needed it more? Has our world ever needed it more? Abortion has become normal, right? It just happens every day. Sex, slavery, and creation's crying out. They're like, this isn't how it's supposed to be. And they're holding on to hope that one day sons and daughters of God will arise. Come on. Come on. Mm. Getting so excited, I just want to keep going, but I think I'll stop. Awesome. Lord, I just, I just thank you so much, Lord, for each and every heart in this congregation, Lord, that just beats knowing, Father, that there is far more in their destiny, Lord, that they can see, Father. I just thank you for the sons and daughters in this room, Father, that it's by no accident that they're here, Father, but that you stepped into each one of our lives and called us out of monotony, Lord, into this marvelous adventure with you, Father. Lord, I just pray, God, I ask boldly, Lord, that we would see this this scripture come to pass in my lifetime, Father. That the sons and the daughters of God would be revealed in my lifetime, Father. Lord, For those, Lord, who you're calling to begin the path of a mature son, Lord. For those of you, for those, Lord, that you're calling, Lord, to begin walking this path of um, denying themselves, picking up the cross, following after Jesus. Lord, I pray that you'd give them boldness, Lord, to step into that. And you know what? Maybe the first person that you pray for that you want to see a miracle take place doesn't get healed. But then you pray again. But then you pray again because you say, I'm not content to see my world remain the way it is, Father. Lord, that you would just have an empty canvas, Lord, here to paint your picture, Lord. Father. The worship team's going to play. I'm going to invite those of you who who want to who want to walk in this, who want to maybe begin this path, who want this for your life, if you 
that's you, then I'll invite you once, once I finish up here, then you can come forward and I want to pray for you. And others will pray for you. Because I just really feel like the Lord wants to release something on his sons and daughters today. If, not, if you're not there, that's okay. Don't feel pressure to come because your friends are coming. But if the Holy Spirit is stirring inside of you, and you're just like, you're maybe going on this life direction, and you're like, you know what? I've really wanted to do this my whole life. But something inside of you is stirring and saying, wait, like, I don't know that I've... God, what do you want? Do you want me to start down this path? Because your family might not understand it. Your friends might not understand it. But all of eternity will be affected by it. Come on. Lord, just thank you again for your children, Lord. Thank you again. Holy Spirit, just mark us today, Lord. Mark us today. Amen.